I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help, with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start, and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we make some grand proclamations about the episode of NXT that originally (laughs) aired on September 25th, 2013. In this episode, NXT reveals just how few tag teams it actually has. Yep. Bo Dallas continues to be an insufferable piece of crap. (laughs) And Bob is introduced to the idea that sometimes the main event is just dudes talking. Ugh, yes. We all hate it. Welcome to episode 19 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode was just a gigantic sausage fest. Yeah. Though at least we got a Renee Young appearance to break up the monotony. Ah, that's very good. Thank you. I was proud of that. Fortunately, the ladies are back for this episode, and we'll find out what Bob thought of their work, plus the stuff the guys did, I guess, in (laughs) Bob's breakdown. We will also be ringing the bell for one of our NXT friends, although really he's more of an acquaintance at best, Hmm. before moving into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, the wrestling term of the week, and of course, the cheap pop quiz. But before any of that, it's time to get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. Uh, We are currently in our third round of pop quizzing, and Bob currently has three points out of the ten that she needs to get another romance novel bonus episode. Yeah! So we'll see how she did on this one. Question number one. Our next episode features four NXT tag teams competing in something called Tag Team Turmoil. What is this? Was it A, a gauntlet-style match where two teams wrestle, the loser is eliminated, and the winner has to wrestle the third team, and on and on? B, a tag team match where two people fight in the ring, but anybody can tag anybody else. C, a tag team match without tags, where all the wrestlers fight in the ring at the same time. D, a tag team version of a battle royal, where the objective is to throw your opponents over the top rope. Or E, a hardcore tag match where there are no countouts and no disqualifications. Bob, you selected the answer B, a tag team match where two people fight in the ring, but anybody can tag anybody else. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The correct answer is A. It is a gauntlet-style match, where two teams wrestle, the loser is eliminated, and the winner has to wrestle wrestle the third team, etc. Ah. Incidentally, the uh, answer C in that one, the tag team match without tags, where all the wrestlers fight in the ring at the same time, is known as a tornado tag team match. Ooh, that sounds interesting. It is. Question number two. It is my very great pleasure to inform you that William Regal is on commentary for the next episode, but there is a new face on commentary as well. Is it A, Renee Young, B, Jim Ross, C, Corey Graves, D, Summer Rae, or E, Vince McMahon? Bob, you selected A, and as you know by now, to your and my and all of our delight, you are correct. Yes, thank God. And question number three, which celebrity can be seen in the next episode participating in one of WWE's woefully ironic anti-bullying PSAs? Is it A, rapper Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, or just Diddy? B, Stephen Amell, star of Arrow? C, boxer Floyd, Money Mayweather? D, Jersey Shore cast member Snooki Polizzi? Or E, Donald Trump? Bob, you chose B, Stephen Amell, which... It's honestly a, a very good and informed choice because he has been involved in wrestling. 
However, the correct answer, once again, is A. It is Sean Combs. All uh, the correct answers were A for this one. Oh, man. No wonder you got me. That one correct answer of Renee Young is going to be very important for this one. So let's get right to it. It's time for Bob's Breakdown. Brad Maddox is backstage. Yes. Looking like the middlest of middle managers. He's accosted first by Tyler Breeze and then CJ Parker. Both want in on the tag team turmoil. Brad says if they want in, they have to tag team together. Is this unlikely duo just unlikely enough to work as so many Hollywood movies have assured me is the case? We'll find out. So tag team turmoil gets underway with Enzo and Big Cass. Big Cass is allowed to get a punchline this time. (laughs) The competition are like Cottonelle tissue. Why are they like Cottonelle tissue? Because they're soft. Soft? So, you know, I just want to say writing jokes is hard. They did their best. I kind of like the fact that they used the Cottonelle tissue for a positive and a negative. I was pleased. We're like Cottonelle tissue because we're on a roll and our our opponents are like Cottonelle tissue because they're soft. Yeah. I also appreciated how Enzo almost screwed that up. He was like, we're on a roll. We're like Cottonelle Tissue because we're on a roll. Yeah, he really recovered it. Tyler Breeze and CJ Parker come out separately. So, Miles, mm-hmm. is a tag team entering together how you know it's serious between them? Is it like moving in together? Kind of. I think that there have been successful tag teams where they entered separately, but usually having separate entrances is indicative that you're like a team composed of mainly singles wrestlers as Mm. opposed to like a dedicated tag team. Even Neville and Graves, we've talked about how they still come out separately and they were singles wrestlers. You know, they got kind of thrown together, but they were singles wrestlers before they were ever a tag team, whereas... The Ascension, for example, I mean, Connor was a singles wrestler, but like Victor just kind of got added to his entrance. (laughs) And now they're definitely a dedicated tag team. And like, you know, the Legionnaires kind of more of a dedicated tag team. You know, when you have a team entrance, it's usually indicative that like you're going to be in the tag division for good. If you're sticking with the, the individual entrances, they may be going back to singles competition before too long. Interesting. Okay, so. It's Enzo and Parker in the ring. Parker gets Enzo up on his shoulder and spins him like a record baby. So (laughs) if Enzo was a record, Miles, what would he be a record of? Like what kind of music? Yeah. Why don't you tell me what you think while I just give me a second to to (laughs) consider? Uh, I think it is Sandstorm by Darude, but just on a loop forever. I don't know what that is. Oh, you do. It's that one rave song that everybody heard in the 2000s. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. God, is there a record that's just like ridiculously annoying, but they overplay it so much? It's almost like um, kind of Nickelbacky in a way. Mm, mm, you know, yeah. where it's like it's kind of like how you remind me where it's kind of the song is annoying, but they play it so many times that you kind of have no choice but to dig it. Like if you don't start liking it, then you're just going to hate your life. It's either hating everything or just accept the fact that the song exists. It's going to be here. You might as well just get into it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's good. Honestly, I picked Nickelback because I think most people can relate to that. I actually like Nickelback more than most people. <laughs> but, you know, any song where it's like it grows on you over time, not because it's actually good, but just because it, the constant beating of it into your skull eventually wears you down. OK, yeah, I get it that I can see that. 
Enzo gets to Cass to tag him in for a save while Parker is refusing to tag in Breeze. But Parker turns around only to be picked up, swung around to his hip, swing dance style, and then back first on the mat for a pin. So Tyler Breeze having some rough luck with tag teams lately. Yeah, uh, it was interesting to me the way that went down. Like, I guess they're just trying to sell that they were they were not on the same page, so mm. to speak. But you would think that the heel on the team would be the one to refuse to tag in his partner rather than the babyface leading to their loss. I don't have any explanation for it other than the fact that NXT booked a tag team turmoil match <laughs> and then was like, wait a minute, we literally only have three tag teams. We, we literally only have four tag teams and one of them's already the champions. Oh my God. What can we do? Now Rusev and Scott Dawson enter, which seems like a more competitive pairing. So Dawson starts out and Cass is easily in control until Dawson elbows him in the face like two siblings grappling for the remote. He tags in Rusev and while Big Cass gets him on the back foot with a boot to the face, he, for some reason, tags in Enzo. (laughs) Cass's faith in Enzo is honestly kind of touching, like... Don't we all want someone that unreasoningly believes we're capable of taking down a 300-pound Muay Thai fighter? Is that not what we want in a relationship? I I dare say it is what we want in a relationship. I really appreciate NXT's commitment at this point to like, and I think for the foreseeable future, if I'm remembering correctly, to just like portraying Enzo as absolutely just dead weight. Like, (laughs) he doesn't have offensive moves (laughs) but i love that Cass doesn't know that yeah he does he's like really believes in his buddy there's something really wholesome about that we talk a lot of shit about enzo and Cass for very good reason Mm. and they're not the greatest human beings in the world but i kind of loved this as it was happening like the fact that they actually got to the end somehow (laughs) I mean, it does turn out that faith in your partner isn't really enough to save Enzo because Rusev scoops him up and drives him back first in the mat before tagging in Dawson, who knees Enzo in the gut and follows it up by slamming this leopard print trash bag to the mat. (laughs) But Enzo pulls Dawson in and twists him up for this pin. So Cass's faith has been rewarded. Yeah, like Enzo's only offensive move in this match basically is that roll up and like he just catches Dawson by surprise and gets the pin and like the crowd is really into it. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by it, but also willing to kind of go with it. Mm -hmm. Rusev then throws Enzo in the corner and shoulder slams him to punctuate that this is some bullshit, which, yeah, it kind (laughs) of is. And Enzo is laying there like roadkill whenever the Ascension enters. Yeah. It starts out with Cass and O'Brien because Enzo is still pretty much out. Victor and O'Brien spend the next two minutes beating this lanky spaghetti lad. (laughs) And Cass gets in one big boot to O'Brien and then tags in Enzo. (laughs) Why would you do that? I mean, at this point, I'm going, okay, if they let Enzo beat these two, my belief suspenders will not just snap. They will snap. And then explode like it's a Michael Bay movie and everything is made of C4. (laughs) Thankfully, narrative believability is not exploded today as Victor and O'Brien do their coordinated takeout of Enzo from the head and the legs and then the pin. So they're the number one contenders for the tag team title. It was almost like, why did you even have this? Of course they are, but they had it. Right. And meanwhile, at a D&D style tavern somewhere, Graves and Neville have just received a quest from the local townspeople 
<laughs> to take on some vampire boys that are keeping everyone up at night with their vocal graveyard banging. So that's right. That's how they found out that they were being challenged. <laughs> I love the moment on commentary where because the Ascension is working over Colin Cassidy and he hits that big boot, like you said, and and he's going to do the hot tag thing, right? Like, that's how it works. And you could hear Regal say, Cassidy needs to make the tag. And then he, like, remembers who he's tagging to. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, then again. (laughs) And he makes the tag and Enzo comes in and just immediately gets wrecked. I really enjoyed the subversion of the hot tag trope. Oh, that's very good. So match two, Bailey. It's Bailey versus Sasha and Renee is on commentary, which is really lovely. And William Regal is putting on the charm. I will say his idea of charm is pretty classic 70s chauvinism. So mm, mixed results. She calls him out on it one time. She does, which I was like, good, Renee. I appreciate you going. All right. You know, you don't have to do this character. You could tone it down a little bit or, you know, be a different kind of charming it wears out its welcome a little bit when he just kind of keeps it up. So Sasha enters with Summer Rae like it's a sorority women fight club and Miles. I want that to exist. Pro <laughs> wrestling sororities. Give them to me. What Summer Rae and, and Sasha are doing is kind of, it seems a lot like a wrestling sorority, you know? It does. It basically yeah. feels like that. The bell goes and both Sasha and Bailey look like they're not really sure they want to fight one another. But Bailey goes for two early covers and then is doing some submission moves on Sasha's arm. Mm-hmm. Bailey, who taught you those? You know you're not allowed to talk to Leo Kruger. <laughs> and then Sasha throws Bailey to the corner and Bailey raises herself up to get out of the way, assuming that Sasha is going to run at her. Wrong. Sasha mm. waits it out and grabs Bailey's legs and pulls her away so she belly flops onto the mat. I don't know. Sasha's getting this like really canny character going. We've talked before about how her wrestling style is evolving in a way that, like, is kind of all about utilizing her surroundings mm. and, like, sort of, as Sterling Archer would put it, like, situational awareness, <laughs> um, which cannot be taught. Which cannot be taught. But I just really love watching her wrestle, and it's a really good point. Like, things like that, it's a really basic thing. It's not like she's the first ever person to do it. But it's always really fun when a wrestler, especially a heel wrestler, is portrayed as being, like, smart. And that's why they yeah. win. Sasha goes for the cover, but no success. But she does smell blood in the water now. So, like a tiny shark would, if it was very driven for some reason, she pursues Bailey in move after move. High-intensity spooning, a suplex, a sort of flip <laughs> over the shoulder thing that you sometimes see people do in self-defense classes. <laughs> I was like, throughout all this, Regal is flirting and doing patter and then just harassing Tom. Oh, my God. Focus on the fucking match, Regal. You have a job. It's a women's match. Pay attention. (laughs) For the first time on this podcast, we're giving William Regal crap. I know. But I was like, I hate whenever announcers do that during the women's match. Like, they'll talk about other shit. And like, ah, don't you wouldn't do this during like a dude's match unless it was a squash match. And this is not a squash match. So shut the fuck up. Or, you know, say cool stuff about how cool they're doing. He's just entranced by Renee. I mean, we all are. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Bailey rallies and then lands some blows that drive Sasha into the corner and down onto the mat. But Sasha does a chop to the chest or something that Bailey sells by throwing her head back and howling like she's been betrayed by her lover. Yeah, it's like an overhead 
chop right on the like collarbone. Yeah, boy, Bailey saw the shit out of that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Sasha leaps to the top rope and stands there like it's no big deal. And the move that she ends up doing is just her using her momentum when she jumps down to sort of arm drag Bailey. But yeah, a little anticlimactic. Yeah, but I was like, oh, dang. Sasha just was on that top rope like, eh, it's fine. I was seeing some depths here. Mm-hmm. So Bailey does her belly to belly suplex, a.k.a. the hugplex, and fails to take Sasha out. Sasha catches Bailey, turns so they're back to back, and then holds Bailey's head as she drops them both to the mat, causing the back of Bailey's head to smack into Sasha's shoulder. She slides in for the pin, and it's over. That move is called a neckbreaker. Neckbreaker. It does look neckbreaky. Very interesting to me that in these early days of NXT, Bailey does not get the pin on Sasha with her finisher, but Sasha gets the pin on Bailey with a move that I don't think is going to be her finisher for very long, although I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, Bailey's finisher didn't work. And not only yeah, didn't work and she came back with something else, it just like didn't work and then she lost. That's still Bailey's finisher to this day. And when she hits it on Sasha in this match, I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought Sasha wins this match. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, she kicked out. Strange. Yeah, it felt, I don't know, just sort of like, oh, I, I guess I didn't understand what was happening. But I mean, like, kicking out of finishers is supposed to be a big deal unless you're wrestling a tag team match in AEW. So <laughs> We may have a bonus episode in us about that. <laughs> Not bad, just, you know, distinctive. Yeah. So Summer Rae comes to the ring, breaks Bailey's headband and throws it at her, which Renee yeah. does call out and goes like, that's girl on girl crime. Yeah, Renee sells the shit out of that. Yeah, I was like, why the fuck would you do? I mean, I get Summer Rae's like, I'm a heel. My whole thing is I'm a heel. But then she just broke this tiny, pathetic, sweet little headband. I was like, oh, my God, you're a monster. If there's one thing that Renee being on commentary taught me is that she's definitely better than fucking is it Tom? Is it Tom in this episode? <laughs> yeah, Whoever I it think is, it's Tom. Tom or Tony, they're interchangeable. She's better than him. And like, it's annoying to me that they only bring her out on commentary for the women's match. Yeah. And eventually, I'm, I'll just spoil this for you a little bit, Bob. Eventually, she is on commentary, just like for the whole show. Oh, cool. And people stop being weird with her. Because like, we're in this weird period where she comes out for commentary for just the women's match. And so like, the dudes on commentary are distracted by her. Yeah. And they can't really, it's harder to do that when she's on, on the entire show. Yeah, you got to drop that shtick. So, yeah. All right. That's nice to know, because I was kind of wondering, is this just the thing that is the story of like every woman's life, I guess, where you're trying to do a thing and dudes want you to pay attention to them, but you're also just trying to do your job. You try to do your job. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, no, but reward me. And you're like, I can't. I have to actually do the thing I am paid for. Well, honestly, like women on commentary in a regular capacity was not a thing that was happened or, or really had happened in WWE at all to this point. Oh, wow. It has happened other places, but uh, for the most part, you know, they might do a guest spot on commentary, but there had never been a regular female commentator. And Renee is actually like a real fucking trailblazer in that regard. Holy shit. I can't believe yeah. there wasn't until like 2013. The, the thing you always have to remember about wrestling it will eventually catch up with the rest of the world, but it will always be a few steps behind. It is a okay. fucking, it is a carny stage play run by old white men who are completely out of touch with the rest of humanity. So, all right. I felt like I kept that in mind, but then it still sometimes sneaks up <laughs> on me the extent to which that's true. 
It's like in 2013, they went, oh, shit, women. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, they did not, we were not invented in 2013, but, you know, I guess as far as WWE is concerned, sort of. Oh, Lord. Sexism. Yep. Anyway. So, Summer Rae gets on the mic to tell us that Fandango is coming next week. Mm, and that she and the boss, Sasha, are going to run this yep. place. Emma's music comes on and the two heels scatter, leaving Emma standing in the ring and looking a little bummed like she didn't get to fight anyone. She's sort of like, oh, I wanted to fight right? somebody. And then we get the package about Fandango and Miles. Yeah. It's a man in possibly flamenco gear. I don't know enough about flamenco kind of costuming to know for sure. And mostly it is him telling people that his name is Fandango. That's right. That was his thing. Yeah. There's a really long ah sound in there. Yeah. And then just shots of crowds going apeshit. So I get that wrestling is a genre of theater, but has wrestling always just secretly had a thing for Broadway entertainment? Like they love the dancing gimmick. They love the singing gimmick. Are these just people really, really hungry for a chorus line? Wrestling at its best is always a variety show. Mm. And, and you and I have talked about this both in the podcast and just in person where it's like, if there's a thing you don't like on a wrestling show, just wait it out. There's probably going to be something different in the next match. Mm. And so wrestling has always been drawn to people who can do other things like sing and dance and do all kinds of other stuff because it breaks up the monotony of just having, you know, wrestling matches. So, like, you know, it's again, it's it's a circus thing. It's like there's always there's something for everybody. Right. So people who, for whatever reason, can't or don't choose to go down career paths and singing or dancing or whatever, or like people who just want to be wrestlers, but happen to be able to also do these other things um, often find those talents being showcased in wrestling because it's a hook people can grab onto. Did that, uh, that answer your question sufficiently? Yeah, I think so. It also made me think, Oh, it's very vaudeville. Like that idea, like not just circus, but this like, all right, somebody's going to come on and do like a weird shtick about like that they can bend in this weird way. And then somebody else going to come on and do like a little song and dance, a little soft shoe number, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. It's, you know, it's like one of those specials, one of those variety hour shows where it's like you've got an audience who's going to be here for four hours. Yeah, you, you know, got to do or something. However long. Yeah. So match three, speaking of, you know, some vaudeville, Aiden English serenades the crowd. And mm-hmm. does he have a live piano accompanist now who's playing for him? I think he does. I think he must because the the musical cues are too like well linked to what he's doing with his voice. And it looks to me like he's looking over at somebody and like taking his cues from them. And also he has a beret now. So, you know, <laughs> just it's just an update. And the crowd chants, bravo, bravo, bravo. I love the Bravo chant. I loved it so much. It spoke so deeply to me about the fact that the audience was just going, we want to be part of your gimmick. We don't Mm want to just interact with it. We want to play in the same world that you're playing in. And that is worth so much in an audience. I love that. This is a squash match, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. It's against Bull Dempsey who is yep. a large chunk of a man who looks like about 2.5 Bo Dallas's is like actually <laughs> just what he looks like in, in terms of his actual like face and stuff. Aiden English finishes him off with that leg drop followed up by the backdrop thing. I guess it's a neck breaker, sort of a neck breaker. Maybe the take a bow yeah. move. Yeah. It's a, 
I don't know what it is. It's that yeah. move. Yeah, the take a bow move. So he gives the encore and the crowd fucking loves it, as well they should. Backstage, Renee catches Summer Rae, who says Emma ain't shit, and that she should find a partner for a tag team match against Summer Rae and Fandango. Fandango. And my thought was, oh shit, who will Emma pick? So it's going to be, you know, a dude and, and a lady doing this. And mm-hmm. I immediately was going, oh, with the possibilities, the possibilities. So let's just talk for a second about who we think would be a fun choice. Not necessarily Kay. the most practical or reasonable, just a real fun choice. Miles, Kay. thoughts? I think Sammy is the first place my mind goes. Like, just mm. Sammy and Emma teaming up would be pretty delightful. Oh, yeah. He would do the dance with her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Aiden English, I think, oh. would be pretty great. Oh, I can see that. It wouldn't really work because he's a heel, but I could I could be into that. I thought about Connor O'Brien specifically <laughs> because it's like that giant bulldog and the tiny kitten in Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a very popular like tag team concept, as we see with Enzo and Kaz. Yeah, exactly. And I can see him being like baffled by this bubbles and dancing situation. Absolutely. I can see CJ Parker, like, you know, kind of doing his little weird hippie dance along with her mm. thing, you know? I thought maybe Xavier Woods would be awesome because he often dances to the ring. Not always, but he's got, he does that split sometimes. He's got some moves. Yeah, Xavier Woods would be great. And yeah. I would love to see him and Fandango just sort of like recognizing one another. This is somebody who can do a dance move and then just start like, I don't know, ballroom dancing together. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I bet that's well, not what happens, but I want it. it. It is not. In fact, none of the people we talked about are the correct answer, and we will uh, we will get more into that a little bit later. Oh, dang. All right. So another anti-bullying campaign. Fuck this weak sauce choice. P. Diddy was in it. He was fine. That's all I'm going sure. to say about it. Moving on. Match four, El Local and Sami Zayn. El Local yeah. is the first masked wrestler I've seen on WWE. Why okay. so few masked wrestlers? Masks are fun. You'll see more of them. Oh, I just okay. think uh, I, I think in NXT, I feel like you're less likely to see masked wrestlers just because part of what they're looking for in NXT is your ability to like emote with your face and like ah. kind of, you know, they want you to learn how to, you know, use your facial expressions to get large crowds to react so mm. masked wrestlers you know it's a little bit harder to do that it's one of the reasons i think that they took Sami Zayn out of his mask and yeah. made him be Sami Zayn instead of the generic luchador el generico hmm all right that makes sense that's just a guess though that's just a guess so this is another squash match and the crowd loves Sami Zayn and is stoked to see him even if it's really just an excuse to watch him do his dance of the arm drags and that big boot to mm. the face he pins a locale and then Bo Dallas oils his way out from backstage to say, congratulations. Oh, he said it like that, too. It made my skin crawl a little bit <laughs> and express happiness that Sammy is learning from his mentor. His mentor is Bo Dallas, allegedly. <laughs> the crowd screams, ole, 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 to try and drown him out. I mean, Bo has a mic, though, which is very unfortunate. So Bo announces that he's going to hold an invitational in three weeks for people to get a shot at the title. Now, the invitational is on the next episode, but the title shot will be in three weeks. Okay, good. All right. Sammy interrupts to say, I will fight you this very instant. (laughs) And Bo says, don't interrupt the champ while he's talking because respect. And also you can't challenge for the title. So there I am so angry. 
Like, I get that I'm being narratively manipulated, and yet you I are. am still enraged. <laughs> that fucking sanity fic gets more appropriate and, like, more believable every episode we do. It's like, it's this person does not know how to be a human being. <laughs> I, I like that you're infuriated by this to the extent that you are, because, like, it's very easy for someone who know who, who like has a previous connection to Sami Zayn's work mm-hmm. to be infuriated by Bo t- saying things like he's his mentor and like Sammy, I know you're new here, but this business is all about respect. Oh god! And part of that respect is you don't interrupt the champ when he's talking. Like people, you, you can just hear the crowd sh- like they start chanting Olay. They're like, "This is fucking El Generico, man! Like yeah. he's so much better than you. It's unbelievable." <laughs> but it's nice that. Even without that connection, you're still very much picking up on that. It proves that Bo is doing good work, to be honest. Yeah. So back to Brad Maddox backstage on the phone, assuring people that, yeah, Triple H is going to be here. Mm-hmm. Cassius Ono shows up. He's back. Oh, I was so happy to see him. I have missed my surf bum. So <laughs> why hasn't he been on the show for a while? Brad Maddox says he's a D plus player. Ono says, mm. oh, okay, cool. How about I disrupt every match on your show? That sounds like a good time. And Maddox says that they, you know, they, the authority, I guess. Probably. They they like to keep Ono out of the ring because he likes being in the ring. And so they just think that's fun. This is the explanation. Ono says it would be fun to punch Maddox, which, you know, hard agree. It really would. He's not my least favorite of everybody on NXT, but he's he's made the list. Maddox is uh is actually really funny in this episode. He is. He's acting. I was appreciating it. He and Ono were acting their asses off, and I was into it. I actually did a little bit of research on him, and he actually is like an actor. Like that's his other thing. Oh. Is that he he, his other passion is acting, Brad Maddox. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love the moment here where Ono talks about punching me in the face. and He's like, that would not be fun for me. Let's keep haggling. <laughs> I know that was a good line. I think this is probably the most I've ever enjoyed Brad Maddox in anything. You know, same, same. So Maddox counters with an offer for Ono to fight a member of the Wyatt family next week. I'm assuming on NXT, right? Not on the main roster. Yes. Okay. That's right. Please let it be Luke Harper. I really want it to be Luke Harper because he's so fun to watch. It's just amazing to see like a six foot something dude get up on the ropes. Yeah. It's insane. So now it's finally time for Triple H's big announcement. And if you haven't seen a picture of Triple H, I just want to give you a quick kind of guide for what to imagine. It's like if a Rottweiler looked temporarily tolerant of being in a suit. (laughs) You know, will not tear you to pieces right now, but is certainly putting it on the to-do list. Absolutely. So he comes out, he praises NXT, fine. Stuff with the Rhodes family on the main roster has caused feelings, so he's giving Dusty Rhodes time off to keep his judgment from being clouded. And then, don't worry, kids, you're getting a new GM, and he won't be terrible at all. Like, oh, okay. So a rich Texan in a skinny tie and a white hat saunters out while something like, but legally distinct from Aaron Copeland's ballet rodeo plays in the background. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, wow, this is not copyrighted. We will be using this, but it is very clearly derived from. So this guy, JBL. John Bradshaw Layfield, he gets on the mic Mm -hmm. and insults the Rhodes family up and down before saying that he's JBL and he's good for business. 
Also, he's a wrestling god, allegedly, which yes. I immediately had the response that they have in Monty Python, the Search for the Holy Grail. It's like, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> well, Miles, looks like yep. this town done got itself a new sheriff. And, it done. And he seems a mite full of himself. Is he going to yeah. rid this town of varmints? I got a mighty fear <laughs> upon me that John Bradshaw Layfield himself <laughs> might be a varmint. <laughs> Yeah, JBL's a really interesting character in wrestling history. He uh, he started out as a tag team guy. Well, actually, he started out as like a nobody. And then he was in a... <laughs> I mean, look, Justin Hawk Bradshaw wasn't doing anything for anybody. Yeah. But uh, then he became popular in a tag team um, called the APA. I have to use APA format for teaching students. And like APA, I have a visceral angry reaction to it. Not related to the uh, American the, the Psychological Association's formatting no. style. I believe it stood for uh, Acolyte Protection Agency or something. They were okay. mercenaries who would like they were like bodyguards for hire, essentially. All right. Um, although the name stemmed from Acolytes, which I guess they were like before that they were supernatural in some way. I don't remember. Wrestling's weird. <laughs> the point is that <laughs> the point is that eventually he debuted this new gimmick, which was John Bradshaw Layfield, which was basically his gimmick was that he was rich and from Texas. Mm. And he uh, he took that all the way to a lengthy world championship run in the mid aughts. Um, and he's yeah, it's that it was that was a weird time. All right. Very effective heel. Also, eventually, I believe, went on to become a real life uh, contributor to Fox News. So, oh, Jesus. You know. <laughs> In some ways, I'm like, of course, why wouldn't Fox News hire a former pro wrestler to do news for them? Why wouldn't they? No, it makes total sense. So that's him. He exists. Yeah. All right, Bob, thank you so much for that breakdown. Uh, What did you think of this one? First time I watched it, I was sort of like, nah, I don't really care. And then the second time Uh was watching it going, oh, shit, there's some real narrative stuff happening. And I deeply appreciated The acting that Brad Maddox brought to it, and he did some really good comedy shtick. I don't like Brad Maddox's character, but he added something that that episode desperately needed. And then also just seeing Cassius Ono again was great. So fair enough. We're going to get into the sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling in just a moment. But first, we do have to ring the bell. I could be wrong about this, but I am pretty sure that we are ringing the bell this week for Brad Maddox. Whoa, Okay. He's basically been replaced on commentary by Alex Riley at this point. Oh, no. Um, Alex Riley is now the guy who is occasionally there instead of Regal, whereas before it was Maddox. Um, While Maddox remains an authority figure on Raw, now that JBL has been installed as NXT general manager, I believe that this is Maddox's final NXT appearance, just when we were starting to like him. Yeah, um, and Alex Riley can't act, although he does like Aiden English, so I'm kind of okay with him, but... <laughs> uh, there's honestly not much to talk about with Maddox. He was pretty much entirely a product of WWE's developmental system, having competed in the developmental territory Ohio Valley Wrestling as Brent Wellington. <laughs> Which was li- which was later changed to Beef Wellington. Oh, no. How did they make it worse? I don't know, but uh, they changed it to Brad Maddox while he was in Florida Championship Wrestling. Uh, when FCW was rebranded into NXT, Maddox was sent to the main roster rather than be a part of NXT, 
where he had an unspectacular run as a referee turned wrestler. What? He was kind of like he was a ref and then he like screwed somebody over and explained it by saying that he was like a, a wrestler who wasn't having any success. So he was trying to get attention. What? And basically his thing would be that he would. <laughs> Sorry, your reaction's a killer. <laughs> His thing would be that, like, some authority figure would be like, all right, Brad, you want to be a wrestler? Here, go out and beat this guy. And he'd be like, okay, and then he would lose. He would then become an authority figure himself, of course, on Raw. We've already talked about that. In 2014, he was taken off WWE television for no real reason, just because they didn't want to use him, almost exclusively wrestling in dark matches for the rest of his tenure. He was fired in November 2015, allegedly because he cut a promo on the audience where he called them pricks. Oh, wow. Um, That's too spicy. Yeah, I don't know why that was a thing that got him fired, but sure. He retired pretty much immediately thereafter, though he did wrestle one more match in October 2016 for a promotion called Millennium Pro Wrestling, which is based out of Moore Park, California. So that's about it for Brad. I want to go check up on him on Twitter and just see what he's up to. I did check him out. I knew he was an actor, so I checked him out on IMDb. Not a whole lot there to draw from, so it doesn't seem like he's had much success in that either. But it did say that he's part of a short film currently in production. So I hope that works out for him. Yeah. All right, Bob. It is now time for the sight, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. All right. Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes saw somebody in the audience holding up a sign that said at ET podcast or at ET pod. I'm not sure. And I decided to look it up. And it is a podcast that I guess has now been around since presumably a little bit before this point in 2013. I would think, yeah. still going called Exposed Turnbuckle Podcast. Really? Yes. And... I was just sort of in awe of like this, you know, ballsy marketing strategy, but also just like this podcast is still going. And like, that's a long run for a podcast. Yeah, it is. That's like seven years, like almost. That's pretty good. We should uh, we should look into them. We should look into having them on sometime. Yeah, I would love to just know about that story, even of going to Full Sail and going, hell yeah, we're going to self-promote because that's what you got to do when you have a podcast. I guess that's what we need to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I just hold up a sign wherever I am now because I it worked. <laughs> they got me. They got me seven years later. So, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? Hashtag butt watch. Yeah. Now, this is a slightly different hashtag butt watch than the usual ones, because this butt watch is a plea for assistance from somebody because I fucking tried to figure out what the shit was going on on Bull Dempsey's tights. Yeah, on I his, couldn't like, read it. Classic singlet. I don't know what that was. So if somebody wants to look into that and like tell me what's going on with that graphic that he has on his trunks, I would love to know because I gave it as much of my time as I could justify. <laughs> <laughs> and it remains a mystery to me. So this is the mystery butt watch. People go out and solve it. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? My Vulcan ears heard Triple H say, if something were to happen to the main roster, I could replace them very easily with everyone here and we wouldn't miss a beat in the WWE. Yup. What the fuck? Are you pla- Are you like, oh man, you have a real nice roster, WWE. 
a shame if something were to happen to it. It sounds so fucking ominous. Well, I think he's playing into his character because basically he's doing this thing where like he's an evil boss, right? He's essentially calling the NXT wrestlers like scabs. Oh, wow. He's saying, look, if anybody on the main roster has a problem with my authority, I will fire you because I can replace you. Oh, it came across like a death threat. <laughs> which I does help that he looks quite Rottweilery, which I know many Rottweilers are just giant babies. But, you know, they've got whenever a Rottweiler does growl at you, you, you kind of understand. Yeah. So, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Uh, you made reference to this a little bit in the breakdown, but uh, I was very happy to hear that this was the episode where, for the first time, Sasha Banks was referred to as the boss which is the nickname that will stick. Ultimately, I believe Renee actually used it on commentary before Summer said it in the ring in her promo. And uh, it just made me happy to hear that for the first time, uh, Sasha Banks has been dubbed the boss. Hell yeah. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your human heart feel? I mean, I think, you know, is this the fact that Cassius back? So happy to see his face. So happy to see that beautiful hair. So happy to see him give that considering look to Brad Maddox's offer and then go, but what if I just punch you right now? Cassius Ono as a baby face who stands up to authority is is a good look for him. Yeah. So, Miles, what did your human heart feel? I think this was like the first episode of NXT where there was a segment that like was funny because it was supposed to be Mm. that opening segment with Brad backstage with Tyler Breeze (laughs) and CJ Parker was genuinely funny. Yeah, it was. Parker and um, Breeze both want to be part of tag team turmoil. And Brad legitimately says, neither of you have tag team partners. What do you want me to do? And they answer at almost the same time. And Breeze says, clone me. Oh, my God. And Parker says, find government funding. (laughs) (laughs) Because I guess he's a hippie. (laughs) I know. And then whenever Tyler Breeze first walks in, And he's like, Brad, I have an idea. And Brad Maddox says, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Brad's deadpan delivery. Like, honestly, when I when I wrote up that Ring the Bell segment, I felt like I was a little bit like, yeah, it's just Brad Maddox. But I watched that opening scene again. It's like. I'm going to miss Brad Maddox. Like, I want this Brad Maddox in my life. Like, this shit is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it makes me go, oh, man, we didn't get the best of Brad Maddox, but he had some best in there. And like, we were denied. We were robbed. Well, with that, we're going to get into the wrestling term of the week. But of course, before we can do that, we need to hear Bob's fanfic explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was B plus player. Bob, what you got? So this fic comes to us courtesy of Krista Contino Sambi, who specifically suggested these two characters. Krista uh, is a patron at the $5 level, and that is one of the reasons she got her characters into the fanfic before others. So yes. if you would also like to jump the line, so to speak, in getting your characters involved in the fanfic, patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan. Yes, please. And also, thank you. Carol Danvers saw that young high flyer sitting on the ring apron lost in thought as the tech crew ran through their checks overhead. Yeah. She checked her phone. The show wasn't for another four hours. She liked being here early, getting a feel for the energy of the show, having the place to herself for a bit, just being in the space. Usually no one else arrived for at least another hour. The kid startled when he noticed her and flapped his hand in an awkward wave. Carol set her stuff down and hopped up on the ring apron beside him. Hey there, you need an ear? 
You look like you're having a pretty serious discussion there. Oh, uh, maybe. It's just something I heard them talking about backstage yesterday. The manager and the COO and the booker and stuff. I'm Peter Parker, by the way. Hello, Peter Parker. Carol smiled. So you heard them talking, huh? Yeah, they were figuring out the bookings for the next show and they mentioned me. He paused, grimacing. I said I was a B-plus player. Not really the right fit for the main stories or stardom, you know. Not bad, but definitely not capable of being, well, the best. Carol nodded. Mmm, yeah. They do say a lot of dumb bullshit backstage, don't they? <laughs> Peter chewed nervously on his lip. But what if they're right? I have to work harder than pretty much everyone, and I don't mind it at all, but it's like, what if I'm working hard forever and I never really get where I'm trying to go, you know? Am I just kidding myself about this whole thing? Like everyone else here is a wrestler. I'm just some guy in a costume who can do a flip. Carol smiled. You're not just some guy in a costume. I saw that elimination match you were in. You were up against Thanos and he started monologuing. And then you jumped from the top rope and just spin kicked him in the face. <laughs> That's not something a B plus player could do. Hell, it's not something I could do. Peter looked skeptical. I don't know. I saw you eat Juggernaut for lunch. Well, I've been at this a little longer and I know his type. That helps. Peter, you're not a B-plus player. You're an A-plus player and people just don't see it yet. But they will. In a few years, your face is going to be the one plastered on every t-shirt, backpack, and WrestleMania program. Kids will be demanding to dress up as the Spider-Man for Halloween. You really think so? Peter brightened. Carol jumped down from the apron and picked up her bag. Are you going to doubt the woman that ate Juggernaut for lunch? Yeah, I definitely think so. <laughs> now come on, A-plus. Let's get backstage and do some warm-up. Maybe while we're at it, you can show me how the hell you can walk the top rope like it's nothing. And uh, thank you also to Dan Mulcairn, who, if you ever hear me talk about Spider-Man in any fanfic, it is because Dan Mulcairn gave me the tools to do so with some accuracy. I am really enjoying the increased Spider-Man presence in the show. <laughs> um, this is the second time he's been involved in the fanfic. Yeah. I feel like we're telling a cohesive story with him because last time he was putting over Juggernaut. Yeah. And now he's like unsure of his status in the company. And considering Peter Parker's origin story actually having to do with like, there's an alternate reality where he actually was a pro wrestler. Ugh. I love that we're doing pride and pinfalls and we want to keep doing pride and pinfalls as a regular feature, of course. Oh, yeah. But I also am really interested in how the story of Peter Parker Parker in in this context plays out so uh hopefully we can come back to him someday that yeah. was really excellent thank you so much for suggesting those characters krista yeah thank you i really it was a pleasure to get to write this i think you nailed the carol danvers like voice by the way thank you so last episode you know we didn't get to talk about women's stuff like i wanted to on that that little sausage fest there i was planning on doing yeah a, uh, a women's wrestling history of the week didn't happen for reasons that we explained last time but because we have uh, a certain kind of match coming up on the next episode, I do get to talk about it a little bit here. The wrestling term of the week is mixed tag. So, trigger warning for arbitrary gendered bullshit. Yeah. A mixed tag match is a tag team match in which the teams involved are composed of a man and a woman. Now, normally, any kind of match involving men and women fighting each other is referred to as an intergender match and functions in the exact same way as any other match. In fact, in some promotions, even the term intergender is thought to be basically unnecessary as it's just a wrestling match between people who happen to be of different genders. Mm. In WWE, however, and by extension in NXT, 
intergender matches almost never occur. While the company has rarely shied away from depicting male-on-female violence outside the context of matches, mm. especially during the Attitude Era, Ugh. actually booking matches where different genders are presented as equal is usually considered taboo. Instead, we have the mixed tag, which functions like a tag team match with one crucial rule change. The men can only wrestle the men, and the women can only wrestle the women. If a man tags in his female partner, the other man must then tag in his female partner, and vice versa. Failure to do so, as well as any physical altercations between the men and the women during the match, can result in a disqualification, though as always, it is at the referee's discretion, depending on what story they're telling. There have been numerous permutations of the mixed tag concept over the years, particularly at WrestleMania, WWE's biggest show of the year. At WrestleMania 6 in 1990, Dusty Rhodes teamed up with Sapphire to take on Macho Man Randy Savage and Sherry Martell in what was, according to ring announcer Howard Finkel, the first mixed tag match in WWE history. What year was this again? 1990. Okay. Now, the term can also refer to a tag team match where one member of each team is a dwarf or a little person. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, so only the only the little people can wrestle each other and only the bigger people can wrestle each other. The two variations have themselves been mixed, as seen at WrestleMania 10 in 1994, when Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon teamed up against Doink the Clown. OK. And his diminutive partner, Dink the Clown. Oh, my God. And in case you were wondering, yes, Luna had to wrestle Dink. Okay. WrestleMania 16 actually did feature a true intergender match, as China teamed up with a male team called Too Cool to wrestle three men known collectively as the Radicals, because China was the exception to basically every rule at the time. WrestleMania 22 had a mixed tag handicap match, as Booker T and his wife Charmel teamed up against a male wrestler known only as the Boogeyman. And WrestleMania 27 had a six-person mixed tag with two women and one man on each team. Uh, this was actually the match with Snooki from Jersey Shore, by the way. What? In 2018, WWE announced the Mixed Match Challenge, which was an entire mixed tag team tournament. There ended up being two of them that year, and they were actually pretty fun, all things considered. But there hasn't been another one since. And while WWE has made some strides in terms of women's equality in their presentation, they are still a long, long, long way away from embracing intergender wrestling. Mm. Even Ronda Rousey had to settle for a mixed tag at WrestleMania 34, though she at least was able to deliver some moves to her male opponent, Triple H. Oh, dang. So that is the uh, history and definition of the mixed tag match. We will see our first one on the next episode. So now you can understand why when, for example, Summer Rae tags in Fandango, Emma will be forced to tag in whoever her male partner ends up being. Okay. And come back on the next episode of our show to hear Bob's fanfic explaining the concept of the mixed tag. I got to think about some weird, interesting tag teams. We are rapidly approaching the end of our time here for this episode. But of course, we cannot leave. Without the cheap pop quiz. Heck no. Question number one. Which main roster wrestler shows up in the next episode to be Emma's partner for her mixed tag team match against Summer Rae and Fandango? Oh, all right. All right. Is it A, Seamus, because that dude just cannot stay away. 
B. Rob Van Dam, the stoner wrestler who we saw a commercial for in an earlier episode. C. Santino Morella, the comedy wrestler who you may have seen dressed in drag during the 2020 Royal Rumble. Oh, Jesus. D. Former reality TV star turned pro wrestler Mike Mizanin, a.k.a. The Miz, who has been feuding with Fandango on the main roster. Or E. Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Oh, man. Okay. The Miz makes sense to me. Okay. Also, it'll give Alex Riley something to talk about. (laughs) That is a very good point. Good reasoning on your part. (laughs) Question number two. Next episode also features another appearance from El Local. Only he's a little bit different. What happened to El Local between episodes? Oh, no. Is it A, he's decided to wrestle without a mask and has changed his name to Ricardo Rodriguez? B, he's decided to retire from wrestling and become a ring announcer. C, he's teamed up with a guy named Tyson Kidd to form Los Locales, and they have an entirely different aesthetic. D, he's suddenly gained a bunch of weight and gotten super tall. Or E, he's suddenly lost a bunch of weight and his arm tattoos have mysteriously vanished. I want to see this transformation act. (laughs) I think the lost weight and doesn't have any tattoos anymore would be a very interesting like, I mean, he's in a mask. He could just be a totally different person and they're just lying about it, which would be very weird. But Uh I could see them doing it. Okay, so you're picking E? Yeah. All right. And question number three. I just want to keep doing this for big matches or title matches. So... On the next episode, the tag team championship match between Graves and Neville and the Ascension, who wins the match? Is it A, the Ascension win and are your new tag team champions? B, Graves and Neville win and retain the titles? C, the Ascension win by disqualification, but don't win the championship? D, Graves and Neville win, but new general manager JBL awards the titles to the Ascension anyway? Or E, the match ends in a draw, and as a result, Graves and Neville retain. Graves and Neville have not been tag team champions very long, but obviously there's been a lot of tension, so I feel like the Ascension has to make a decent showing. I don't think it can just be an outright win. I'm guessing Graves and Neville win it. Graves and Neville win and retain the titles. Yeah. All right. Well, come back on the next episode to see the results of this cheap pop quiz. We will see if uh, if Bob is right about this stuff. I think that's about it for us, Bob. Thank you once again for joining me. Thank you. It's always lovely. It is. Uh, and thank you as well to our patrons who are the people who have gone over to www.patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and have uh, thrown a few uh, donation dollars our way in exchange for, among other things, their wrestling names and personas on this show. Yay! And Megan Bob, we have a couple of new uh, new arrivals here. In, I'm very uh, excited. In the next Wrestling Fan Federation. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is derived from our Patreon supporter, Alex Jocelyn. So I decided that, you know, one of our our original signees back in the first time we did this was Ferguson Locke. Yes. And I decided that Ferguson Locke needed the tag team partner. Oh, yeah. Now we have Ferguson Locke and Flanagan Slay. Whoa. Oh, (laughs) that's... They both know how to kill a vampire, don't they? They absolutely do. So... I was thinking about this more and more, and I feel like because Lock and Key, which was partially the basis for uh, the name that we gave David Kehoe, 
is kind of very supernatural horror ghosts and like opening doors and stuff like that. So I think Ferguson Locke is kind of a, a vaguely defined demonic wrestler yeah. who like travels through mirrors and shit. Uh, and who's definitely the more charismatic member of the team. Flanagan Slay, on the other hand, is your uh, your silent ice cold striker <gasps> who specializes. Ooh. Yeah, who specializes in striking over distances. So, like, they do a flip across the ring or, like, a dive to the outside, which is usually some kind of splash or, like, your body lands across the person. Mm-hmm. But when Flanagan Slay does it, it gets turned into, like, a, a shot to the head, like a kick or an elbow or something Whoa. or a forearm to the head out of the flip. And, you know, I got to say the exact nature of the alliance between uh, Ferguson and Flanagan is not entirely known at this time, but Ferguson Locke can basically point Flanagan Slay at pretty much anyone and know they will be taken care of oh my gosh they have some sort of dark pact i love it Yeah, we don't know our second signee here the next wrestling fan is and i was very happy about this one because this new recruit comes to us by way of the unspoiled podcast yeah who bob you might you might know i am i'm a co-host on the unspoiled podcast i have heard rumblings about this yes so when the unspoiled podcast subscribes to to our patreon feed you know that it's specifically natasha winters who is uh, the the matriarch and in her own words boss bitch over at the unspoiled podcast network yeah Natasha's great. She's also a very good friend of mine. And so I had to think long and hard about what this was going to be. And I think I came up with something that she'll enjoy. So the wrestler that we've just brought into the company is named Minerva Frost. Ooh, that's very good. Minerva, because Natasha, one of the most popular things she covers is the Harry Potter series, where we all worship and idolize Minerva McGonagall for just being the best. Rightly so. And so that like kind of attitude and mindset is what I'm sort of bringing to this character. And Frost, you know, as you'll see, not only for this reason, but also just because, you know, it's a play on the Winters thing. Now, Minerva Frost is a wrestler, but also a fashion model. Ooh. But she's like a plus size fashion model. She's this beautiful, glamorous lady who just like pose for days and also beat the shit out of you, right? Oh, that's my, I'm so, oh my God. Carry me away in your arms, lady. She almost always appears in shades of purple and blue. New outfit every show. Very fashion forward. She does have things in her life besides wrestling, so she's not necessarily champion all the time, but she represents the company as a celebrity figure. She's that wrestler with the reality show in the movie career. Yeah. She's also one of our best promos. She will rip you to shreds in an interview if you cross her. Wow. And if you're foolish enough to get into an actual feud with her and really piss her off, everything changes. Because for that big pay-per-view match that you challenge her to, she comes out in red or orange instead of blue or purple. And the ring announcer refers to her now as Minerva Fury. And you know you're in some shit. Oh, that's so good. That's she so will good. go full Aja Kong on your ass. Oh, man. Nobody's coming back Comple- from that. Complete with spitting back fists, pile drivers, and a torture rack powerbomb finisher that she calls the motherfucking T. Oh, my God. I love and it. And also her theme music is Supermassive Black Hole by Muse because it has to be. Okay. So I'm in love. There you go. Thanks to both Alex and Natasha for supporting us on Patreon and for letting us give you these interesting characters that have moody and curious backstories. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fic written about these. Yeah, I sense it. Just so you guys know. I mean, how long before I start shipping characters? I'll try not to because you're real people, but also, you know, kayfabe, you're not, your characters (laughs) aren't. No, I won't do that to you, but I might. (laughs) 
And one other fan that we would like to shout out right now is Josh Vaskihuff for their continued awesome work with NXT D&D IMHO. Yeah, uh, we have shouted out Josh's work before, but wanted to do it one more time here just because uh, they have an ongoing story now with multiple chapters about next wrestling fan title holders. Chapter two in particular is a vivid description of the battle between Neil, uh, all caps, and Sidreal Constellation, our current champion. Go check that out because it like directly relates to the shit that we've done. And Josh jumped right into it. So it's really good stuff. And we appreciate you. Also, wrestling fanfic is great. Wrestling fanfic is great. And you know what else is great, Miles? What's that? Watching wrestling with friends. It is. It was. It will be again. Yay! So we watched wrestling with quite a few of you on April 11th, I believe. We had a wonderful time watching wrestling on cast with all of you. And we would like to do it again in the near future. But mostly what we'd like to do right now is just say thank you so much to all something like 20 of you. Thank you to something like all 20 of you that came and watched wrestling with us and watched Aja Kong and Manami Toyota potentially really destroy one another, possibly in permanent ways. It was amazing. Really appreciate all of you who were there. It was so much fun and we're definitely going to do it again soon. So um, keep an eye out on our social media and also just we'll make an announcement probably on the next episode when we're going to do our next watch party. We want to shout out one more fan, Three Essential Owls on Twitter. Yeah. Formerly Three Owls standing six feet apart, which I very much liked, but this one is good too. Has been uh, live tweeting our episodes as they get into wrestling for the first time and uh, annoy their partner in doing so. It's just really fun having them follow along with what we're doing. So thank you so much, Three Owls. Yeah, it's always fun to hear how you're feeling about various characters. Thank you so much to Three Owls for being a fan. Thank you so much to everybody for being a fan. Thanks for being a patron if you're a patron. And if you're not, thank you for listening anyway. Uh, We really appreciate each and every one of you. And we look forward to seeing you back here in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. My brain just started imagining Miss Piggy's got a lot of talent, right? Why is it Miss Piggy a pro wrestler? You write the fanfics, Bob. I think we should make this happen. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Miss Piggy, obviously, that finishing is that chop move. Hiya! <laughs>
Oh my god. <laughs> Miss Piggy would be an amazing wrestler. <laughs> Miss Piggy would be like intergender wrestler, like hold every single championship belt. Yeah, she would hold all the titles and she would be the most popular person of the company. Like, oh, man. guaranteed. Miss Piggy's great, guys. Okay. 